0: I felt a real kinship with nature. I loved to be outdoors. I was really attracted to the beauty of nature and the interconnectedness of everything.
1: Dear listeners, I am jean frankie Guerrier, the host for the show Talking with Frankie. And I'm glad to welcome Sister Damien Mary Savino. Sister Mary Savino, welcome to Southern Night Media and to the show talking with Frankie. How are you doing today?
0: Thank you very much, Frankie. I'm very fine today.
1: Okay. Sister Mary Savino, you are a Franciscan sister of the Eucharist and currently you serve as the Dean of Science and Sustainability at Aquinas College in Rapids, Michigan. Yes. In this position, you see the biology, chemistry, physics, geography, and environmental studies departments, and the College Center for Sustainability. You receive your Bachelor of Science degree in biogeography from McGill University, your Master of Science degree in soil and plant science from University of Connecticut, your Master of Arts degree in theology from the Catholic University of America, and your PhD degree from the same university. You have lectured and written right there now that see and creation care, as well as on themes related to ecological restoration and resilience theory, ecological health, ecology and theology, and science and faith. Sister Mary Savino, this is a rich and great diversity of studies and works. What led you to follow each of these?
0: I would say, well, uh, a combination of things, my heart. And then when I began to discover a Franciscan calling, my sisters, the Franciscan sisters of the Eucharist really encouraged me to stay in this field and to develop it more in light of our faith. So I had a natural science affinity and they wanted me to stay in science so that right. I could speak to scientists, but also to combine it with our, the faith. Uh, you know, so that we have the fullest understanding of what's going on in the natural world now.
1: Yeah. And you work on a documentary series called Creation with Certain Light TV. Can you talk briefly about this collaboration with Certain Light?
0: That was a wonderful collaboration. I believe we started in 2010, completed it in 2015, or right before the Holy Father's Encyclical came out, Laudato Si', this was um so we, and we were looking at the question why should we care about creation. And so we looked at it and we highlighted basically six different principles, the last one being integral ecology, which was the term is the term used so centrally in Laudato Si. And we traveled around the country looking at case studies so bringing the science into dialogue with the theology so we had Cardinal Turkson involved a number of different theologians who have who have addressed the question of ecology, and then we just looked at some case studies of where people are trying to demonstrate certain principles like respect for creation or awe and wonder, or the groaning of creation. What does what do we mean by that? So yes. it was a wonderful collaboration. I worked with Deacon Pedro, the yes. producer, and um, it was. Nothing I had done before, but I'm actually really convinced that the media, that kind of media is pretty effective for getting the message out. It's, yeah. a, it's a, at least another way in addition to academics and education.
1: Talking about your collaboration with Certain Light Media, especially with Dick and Pedro, you mentioned a couple of times louder to see. Would you like to speak more about what is really Laudato see?
0: Laudato Si is the Pope Francis's encyclical on care for creation. And the first words of the encyclical are why it's given that name, because he uses the vernacular Italian that St. Francis of Assisi used in his Canticle of Creatures. So it means praise be to thee. And then Francis goes, St. Francis goes on to say, you know, for brother wind and sister moon. Um, And then the subtitle, Is is care for creation and that I find really intriguing. The first time I read it, which was when I was on the set with Salt and Light, we were getting ready to film our last episode. I realized that the word care was used many times throughout the encyclical, much more than the word stewardship. And then later, I read uh, a piece by Cardinal Turkson in which he refers to that, and he said that was very deliberate because care means something more than stewardship. It means it's something coming from your heart that um, and it means you want to help heal this earth. You, it's, it's a more of a, almost an effective and emotional in addition to a scientific um, approach. So care I think is very critical for understanding the encyclical and we want this to come out of our love for creation.
1: Yeah, so it's a very challenging encyclical. And how can one fit Laudato in the spirit of the church social doctrine?
0: Yes, well, in the very beginning of the encyclical, Pope Francis says, I am adding this to the social doctrine of the church. So right. he is specifying. Okay. And um, now what is the social doctrine of the church? Ultimately, it goes back to who God is and how God has revealed himself to us as a relational being. So the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everything that we believe in our Catholic faith comes out of that relationship of love in that relational God. So therefore our social teaching governs our relationships because we are relational beings created in the image and likeness of God. We're not individual monads, we relate to others. And so the social doctrine just governs how, those, how we handle those relationships and I think the three key relationships in La Dauta C are care for God, care for our neighbor, and care for the earth. And in paragraph 66, he, he specifies that and then keeps coming back to that. So it's in the social doctrine of the church helping us know how do we bring those three relationships together. And they should be relationships of love where they're broken, where the relationships are ruptured, say, with creation or with our neighbor then we need to embark on a path of reconciliation. And ultimately that will heal nature and our relationships with others and with God.
1: And this is not an easy message to embrace in our time, in the modern time. And what were some of the consequences of the reception of Laudato Si?
0: This, uh, and I might not have the full picture here. Perhaps I have a somewhat, I I might live in a bit of a bubble, although I'm in conversation all the time with students and young people. I think it was perhaps you might call a mixed reception. In my mind, it was just a beautiful document. I stayed up all night reading it. I felt like it's so comprehensive, and it really covers all spectrum of what we believe as Catholics, and yet it advances the teaching regarding our responsibility for the created world. I think some you might say who are and I don't like to characterize this way, but perhaps those who are a little more traditional Catholics maybe felt some skepticism. They, they weren't sure if it was going to be compromising any of the other moral teachings. Then some who might be maybe more liberal or progressive thought, finally, we have something, you know. But actually, when you read the document, it satisfies both concerns. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that mixed reception might have been somehow fed by the secular media a little bit too. But yeah. it it definitely, you know, like the the Holy Father is talking about preserving creation, but that means human life, right? So all the teachings regarding the sanctity of life, he mentions in this, he is, you know, mentions a very strong statement against abortion, against policies regarding population control, which are sometimes advanced by certain ecological programs, and yet at the same time, he's also talking about the intrinsic goodness of creation and the need to preserve creation and the need for new economics and social policies that, that do work on an approach that would preserve creation or inha- even enhance the, the way that we use our resources and the way that we relate to creation.
1: And there are some powerful sentences in that encyclical, for example, in paragraph 49, the Holy Father says that a true ecological approach always becomes a social approach. It must integrate question of justice in the base on the environment so as to hear both the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. How can you explain this, sister?
0: Yes, this is so central to the document and to all that has come after we really the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. Right. I would say um, maybe just to begin with two key principles. First of all, to be Catholic, we have to be open to fraternity with everyone and with the created world. And there is the second principle is there is a common destination of goods. This is another principle in the social teachings. So while we believe in private property, it isn't the highest value. Ultimately, all that is in this created world is destined commonly for everyone and we all have equal rights to it. So where creation is groaning, that's the cry of the earth. And that goes hand in hand with the cry of the poor. I think it's often the poor communities who are most affected by pollution, Whose health is most affected, whose living conditions are most affected. Um, There are multiple cases of this all over the world. I've experienced this personally too in a number of situations. So when ecosystems become contaminated, the cry of the earth, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it it can't be separated from those who are living in those ecosystems. And most often it's the poor who are most vulnerable. It's the poor who are you know, suffering the effects most of rising sea levels.
1: In that case, protecting the, the environment is like protecting and promoting the dignity of those who are most vulnerable. This is what you meant?
0: Yes, exactly. And that's what the Pope means, I think. I mean, he's, because we live in a throwaway culture, we have issues with water, climate, biodiversity. It is most often that the most vulnerable are the ones that suffer the most from that. And I, I love this one line that he has where he says, a deep sense of communion with nature mm-hmm. cannot be real if our hearts lack tenderness, concern, and compassion for our fellow human beings.
1: Those are very strong sentences. He also says in paragraph thing that there can be no ecology without an adequate anthropology. What does the book mean by that?
0: That, to me, is absolutely critical. So how we right. do our role... Uh, and a lot of my work has centered on this, it's absolutely critical to be clear on who we are in creation. And I think we're somewhat maybe confused in this age, as we have probably in all ages. (laughs) But he talks about that we almost have a schizophrenia. This is in chapter three, where he's looking at the human roots. And he says, we have schizophrenia between this technocratic paradigm, which is, you know, all the technology that is becoming so aggressive, and ruling our lives almost. And in many ways transgresses on who we are as persons and makes us feel like we're control of everything. We're the masters. But then we have this, we can also be on the other side, uh, where a sense where we almost divinize nature. And we're the disease of nature, we're the cause of all these problems. So the best thing to do is get rid of us. And somehow we need a, an anthropocentrism that recognizes we are created in the image and likeness of God. That means not that we are dominators, but that we are almost like gardeners as we are in the first chapters of Genesis. We, are, we have to relate to this created world and we're the only creature that can, can do technology. We're the only creature that can understand the purpose of this created world, as good as all the creatures are. So our role is in, if we want a proper anthropocentrism is to relate to this created world but to bring it into a fertility to somehow be able to learn its rhythms and then use the resources in line with those rhythm, r- rhythms rather than cutting across them. And I think he, he has a um, beautiful reference to Guardini Mm who uh, wrote a book called Letters from Lake Como in 1926, but it applies to today. And I believe Pope Francis studied Guardini, but he, Guardini is lamenting the industrialization of Germany, as opposed to the sort of harmonious existence on Lake Como that he observed in the communities of Lake Como in Northern Italy. And the fact that the machine is sort of cutting across the environment. It's, he's, like uh, almost putting nature to the rack, as Descartes said, as opposed to a kind of more harmonious living where these homes along Lake Como are sort of going with the technology, the boats are sailboats, and they're using natural rhythms as opposed to cutting through with a powerful motor. Now, he didn't have even all the technology that we have today, but he was hitting on something there about how we what is our proper role? And I think we're still struggling with with that caught between that those uh, those juxtapositions of being masters and dominators and recognizing how we are at the root of this ecological crisis but somehow we have to take a positive look at ourselves
1: sister marisa you know, these are very important topics because you talk about technology industrialization <laughs> of germany and what does that say about the importance of industrial development and the destruction of the common home?
0: Pope Francis is clear that you know, industry in itself isn't bad. I mean, it, it is a way that humans can uh, express our creativity as human beings. But it also, if it goes too far, it gets caught in this technocratic paradigm and in the throwaway culture. So there are a number of points he makes about the industrialization. First, this idea that unless industrialization is accompanied by ethical and spiritual reflection, it is going to unfortunately move toward that sort of technocratic paradigm that Guardini was so critical of. And it, it has to be accompanied by authentic social and moral progress. And Paul VI said the same thing. So Pope Francis is building on that. Unfortunately, industrial development is also responsible for much of the pollution that we're experiencing, water pollution, waste, tremendous amount of waste produced by industries, and there's very little cycling. So industrial development is characterized by a kind of linear thinking that doesn't realize the interconnectedness of things, which is very critical for Pope Francis that we understand that everything is interconnected. So unfortunately, Sometimes industrialization is actually in trying to solve problems and it has solved many. So he acknowledges that. But sometimes it also creates more problems in trying to solve problems because of that linear mentality. The problem of inequity. So in many cases, industries are for their raw materials are taking it, taking those from underdeveloped countries Unfortunately, many multinational corporations, and then using them for their own private benefit, which he uh, is is quite critical of in the encyclical, and it's something we really need to look at. And that applies to cases like global warming, mining. I mean, there's multiple cases. Um, waste we export our waste, unfortunately, to underdeveloped countries. And he does mention that we need enforceable international agreements. And that's very difficult because countries, you know, protect their own resources and their own borders, but these are resources, the nature transcends borders. And so somehow we have to come to some way of modifying consumption, modifying energy use, modifying how we extract materials and how we provide, how technology provides for others so that it is more equitable and how we're going to do that internationally. I think the church is the only one that could really do that in a just way. And what do so, you I mean, mean by that? Well, I think um, other organizations, I mean, the, the church, thanks to Pope Francis and the popes before him, is right. in dialogue with global organizations like the UN, the FAO, um, the economic organizations. But the church is the one that has a social and a moral compass that is so needed by the economies of the world, by the politics of the world. Right. I think we have to really respect Pope Francis for taking the risk to engage in this. It's a big risk, yeah. It's a big risk.
1: And what does, uh, does Laudato si suggest some key solution regarding the climate change?
0: Regarding climate change, yes. And actually I was found this very interesting reading through the document. It's, first of all, I would say it's not a climate change encyclical. So I wish it hadn't been portrayed that way in the media. It's so much bigger than that. Well, can we
1: find something on that encyclical?
0: Yes, we can, which is really wonderful. So first of all, he acknowledges the science of climate change. So it is one of the key issues of our time, and he acknowledges there is really an issue. So let me just say, before I get into some of the political or economic solutions, which are more toward the last few chapters... I think in the beginning he speaks about the human roots. So repentance is definitely one solution we need to work on. So how in relation to climate change have we transgressed on our relationship against others, especially the poor and against the created world. And I think we really need to look at that disfigurement and find a way to repent. And so the document is very strong on that message of reconciliation. And there would be concrete ways that we can actually examine our consciences and begin to at least come to an awareness of what we've done. And then that would lead us to some actions that we can take.
1: So we need repentance and reconciliation so that we can overcome this issue.
0: We most definitely do. We need to recognize the climate as a common good. So, again, the universal destination of goods belongs to all. It's meant for all. And so it's a global problem, and we have to recognize that that nature of it but he does give some some concrete solutions though we have to move away from highly polluting fossil fuels, especially coal but also oil and perhaps in a lesser degree gas um, and that needs that those need to be replaced and he does mention the promise of of solar technologies. He speaks about if until we Can make this transition because it might take time. It is legitimate to use other, to use, say, gas as a transitional fuel while we move over to more renewable technologies. And that political realism needs to to call for transitional measures and technologies and to recognize that we need that. Um, At the same time, he also talks about ways of conserving energy that our politics and economics need to support those. The diminished use of raw materials, um, removing products that are not energy efficient from the market. So he, he mentioned some real concrete solution there, improving our transportation systems so that they don't use as much energy and produce mm-hmm. much cover- as much carbon dioxide. Same thing with our construction of buildings and such. We also need some mechanisms for looking at how we pay for the costs of this energy transition. And that's where international development specialists and economists really need to look at that because the poor countries should not be expected according to Pope Francis to pay the same burden. They simply can't do it. So he does talk about what he calls differentiated responsibilities in relation to climate change. That basically the the larger, more polluting countries, and we are because we are much higher consumers Mm -hmm. and producers of carbon dioxide, need to take a a higher responsibility for solving the issue of climate change.
1: Yeah. Sister Mary Savino, let's talk a bit about Ignatian Ignatian spirituality. The founder of the Society of Jesus said Ignatius of Loyola asked us to find God in all things, in the spirit of lauda, to see si, what are some practical ways of finding God in nature and in creation.
0: I think it's interesting that that is a Ignatian way. It's also a Franciscan way. So, oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah, that's something we, we share with with you. Exactly. Well, we have to first of all, we have to get out into nature. We have to relate to it. And there's there are some beautiful parts in the encyclical where he talks about the grammar of nature, which was also. A favorite concept of Benedict XVI. And that nature, nature is in itself good. We learn that in the first chapters of Genesis. But it's constantly speaking to us. It's constantly trying to communicate to us the nature of the God who created it. So I think when we when we get out into nature and through our ecological education, catechesis, we need to teach young people that message the beauty, the harmony, the interconnectedness of nature. Um, And so, and that nature will reveal itself to us if we are attentive. So there's also a beautiful passage in the encyclical where he talks about that need for this kind of quiet attentiveness to the natural world. And in this rapidified world we live in where everything is moving so fast, we we need to slow down. And I think recapture that contemplative sense by just being in the natural world, also working with it. So gardening, I understand the pandemic has actually helped with this because people, more people have been outside. They just can't go out shopping and doing some of the things they normally do. Right. And more people have been gardening, cooking, um, baking bread. I think all of those ways of even working with the natural world and observing, being part of the rhythms of the natural world is very important as a first step and kind of developing that sense of awe and wonder. So in the creation DVD series, our first episode is called awe and wonder. And we felt that was very important. Mm-hmm. If we learn to create, to approach creation with awe and wonder that underlies all of these attitudes of care. You Even before
1: have- the Jesuits, with the Franciscan are really examples on this sense.
0: Very much so. And mm-hmm. St. Bonaventure, the great, Theologian who can put into words what Saint Francis of Assisi said Mm -hmm. talked about how nature, creation is always showing us God like a vestige, like a footprint. So when Mm -hmm. a footprint is there, you know something. Right.
1: That's a very good image.
0: Yes. But we humans are in the image and likeness of God. So we're even stronger than the footprint. And when we are, and then the third level is similitude, when we are actually acting in the image and likeness of God, we actually look like God. Yeah. Um, and and then that is a witness to others. So for the new evangelization, this is very important that we learn to cre- approach creation this way. If we witness that to others, then hopefully the waves go out. And then we might really make some change. I mean, we need the change on the macro level, but also on the micro level inside of each of our hearts.
1: This is and very important.
0: Very important. Yeah.
1: Sister Mary Savino, to what ecological conversion can we undertake today?
0: When I read Laudato Si', I felt that we really need this sense of personal conversion and reconciliation. And the Ignatian practice of the examine uh, was uh, very interesting to me. So I actually developed an examine mm-hmm. based on the notion of daily ecology, in uh, one, which is one type of integral ecology. Three, three areas. So when you do a personal examine, in the tradition of, of St. Ignatius of Loyola, and you know that more this, about this than I do, I'm sure. In the evening, you examine yourself as to how your actions during the day were compatible or not compatible with uh, being in the image and likeness of God. So some concrete, I have three concrete ways of, of doing this examine. The first is, so in, re, so in relation to our, our bodies, Okay, so because our bodies are part of the environment for which we are responsible, and so how did I treat my body today? How did I treat the bodies of others? You know, and it could be was I violent or was I mean? Uh, was I running away from someone who I uh, I am repulsed by? Um, and then our surroundings, our environment, and so in some cases that could be if you're a farmer, that would be how did I treat the land of my farm? If you're a student, it could be, how did I treat the land of my dorm room? Is it a mess? Is it, you know, is it reflecting something of the order and beauty that is is in the world around us? And that it's very important that what is in our exterior reflects something of what is in our interior. So it's important that we, with our bodies and then the exterior world, that we represent and integrity there—that's part of integral ecology too. Um, and then, so our physical spaces, our bodies, and then our actions. So how how do my daily acts flow from a sense of attentiveness, that beautiful attentiveness, or am I always in a rush and sort of reflecting the rapidified industrialized culture,
1: right. or
0: am I caring to someone, or am I do I have a throwaway mentality, which affects not only my physical waste, but how I treat others. Do I just, did I just throw away somebody that I didn't really think was important or wouldn't get me where I need to go or, or was annoying me or whatever? So to look at that, those daily actions, if they're flowing from a sense of care for our common home and for others, or if they're flowing from that sort of industrialized throwaway um, mentality, rapidified mentality. So, um, and I have found that to be a very helpful examine to do that at night. And I I attribute it to Pope Francis and the encyclical.
1: Right, this is very interesting. Any final thoughts, Sister Mary Savino?
0: Well, I think think now maybe just to say that the Fratelli Tutti, the encyclical that just came out on fraternity and Laudato Si, they go hand in hand. Laudato Si certainly speaks about fraternity and Laudato Si has to do with fraternity with creation, brother, son, sister, moon. How is creation a brother and sister to me? And they're both very challenging encyclicals, challenging us to that higher level of fraternity, fraternity with God, fraternity with others, fraternity with creation. And yet I think they are absolutely what the world needs right now, both on a macro level and a micro level, we will all be much happier, much much able, more able to care for one another if we can grow in that sense of fraternity. And um, so I, I hope that that all of your efforts in the media too will help others to learn about this so that by being educated on the need for fraternity, it might actually gradually change society. I always tell my students that you know, they they will say, well, what difference does it make if I put, you know, one thing in the recycle bin, a million people are just dumping it in the trash. And that's true. However, if you do it, and someone sees you do it, and then they do it, and then eventually a million people do it, then it makes a big difference. Pope Francis in the encyclical says, even if only you do it, if you're doing it as an act of love, that is a virtuous act, a holy act, that is an act of fraternity. And so I think it's important. We have to start with that act of love and then hope that it goes out into the world from there.
1: Thank you, Sister Damien Mary Savino. You can subscribe to Talking with Frankie on Spotify, iTunes Music, SouthernNight.org, and our Facebook page, Talking with Frankie. Many blessings. Bye-bye.